you remember having a teacher who liked to give a pop quiz? I had such a teacher in high school, and we always knew in geometry, if you came to the door and there was a single sheet of paper on your desk, it was a pop quiz day. Or I had another teacher that would watch the class, and as we got out our books and were sort of settling in, if we were a little too goofy and a little too rambunctious, he would give a pop quiz. He would just say, please put your books away, and we knew we were in trouble. Our family has a little tradition at the dinner table. We say, "Uh, today, what were your peaks, your high points, and your pits? And one time, my mother was visiting, and she heard us ask this question. She said, what is this, a pop quiz? (laughs) Jesus is with his disciples, and he's nearing the end. He's very aware of that, and they're not. And so this story that unfolds today is sort of like a pop quiz that Jesus gave his disciples. They had been just a couple days later, a couple days earlier, arguing about who was the greatest one. Which one's going to sit on the right hand and the left hand? They had watched Mary Magdalene pour out perfume on Jesus' feet, and they had sort of scolded for the expense of that perfume. And now they're gathered together in the upper room. And Jesus is kind of watching who they are. And perhaps you could say he's giving them a pop quiz. Because as things are unfolding, this is kind of like the whole gospel in miniature. Here's the God of glory watching his disciples, and he doesn't like what he sees. So he gives them a little parable. It's like the whole gospel in miniature. He takes off his outer garment, probably not a gray robe, but something big like that. And instead, he gets out a towel. Now, this towel would usually represent someone who had greeted at the door, um, sort of a domestic servant would be the one wearing this towel. But no one had met them at the door. And though their feet had been grimy, they were wearing leather sandals and walking on a dirty street, they'd been through wet goo and they'd been through dry goo, and their feet were quite dirty. They come to the table, the dinner table, not with nice chairs pulled up, but rather kind of reclined so that one's feet are right in the other person's face. And they've been sitting like that for quite a while. The meal was underway. So Jesus gets himself all garbed up, and he goes over and begins to wash the disciples' feet. One, and then the next. And then he comes to Peter. And Peter isn't liking any of this. Peter says, Lord, no, you can't wash my feet. It's not right. You're the master. And it's like Jesus says, well, you know, Peter, you didn't do it yourself. And you can't do it yourself. This is quite the consequence. If you don't let me wash your feet, Jesus says to Peter, you'll have no part in me. This is pretty significant. Then Peter says, okay, then give me a whole bath. You know, if if you've got to cleanse me, just cleanse my whole self. And Jesus says, no. And in, in Greek, there are actually two different words. You don't need a whole bath. The person who's already washed, who already belongs to me, doesn't need a full bath. You just need the daily rinse of the feet. Let me wash your feet. And so it goes. Jesus goes one to the next, even to Judas, the one who would betray him. And no one jumps in. 
Don't you kind of picture if you were doing a little household task and uh, like at our house, if you're clearing the, t- I'm clearing the table and my kids know really that's their job, you know, you're kind of hoping that they're going to jump up and take it over. It doesn't happen. <laughs> Jesus goes through this whole experience and then sits back down. And you know what's going to unfold next? The giving of the Lord's Supper. This is kind of this foreshadowing of what's going to happen the next day when he lays down his very life and then is crucified on a cross. So we're going to look at this parable now kind of from the bottom up. We're going to go feet, knees, and then to our hands. Peter represents all of us. When he says, no, Lord, I've got dirty, smelly feet and I don't want you touching them. It's too close. You don't have to wash my feet. I get it. I'm a good guy. I'll I'll just get through dinner with dirty feet, and then next time I'll be the servant, and I'll wash the feet. It's like he's saying, you know, you don't have to hang on a cross for me. I'll catch on. It's not true. All of us resist this notion of our own neediness. We think, I can do it myself. I'll do better next time. Really, Jesus? Next time you're in the upper room with us, and next time it's your last night, I'll, ca- I'll pass the pop quiz. I can handle it. Not so. And yet in our community, a community like ours, where we're high achievers, we spend a lot of time and energy trying not to be needy or to let our needs known. Jesus said, it is difficult for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven, perhaps because the rich man is used to taking care of himself. The rich man is proud of his achievements. The rich man is self-sufficient. The rich man and the suburban woman like to be in a position to help others. We find it tremendously difficult to admit that our feet are dirty. There's shower gel and sweet-smelling soap and church on Sundays where everybody looks so well cleaned up. Many times when someone comes into a pastor's office and begins to share, they open the sharing with something like this. I know no one else struggles like this. I look around on Sundays and it looks like everybody else has it together. But there's something going on in my life. A shame, a hurt, an anger, a brokenness. Friends, if we pastors could only bug our offices so that you would know everybody has dirty feet. That person on your right, on your left, the folks up in the balcony, the folks even here in the choir, behind the video camera, the sound booth, all these people, all of us need God's attention. We all need this gift that God brings in the person of Jesus. We need healing in our bodies. We need healing in our relationship. We need cleansing in our thoughts and our behaviors. We need freedom from the things that tie us to bad habits and addictions. In Alcoholics Anonymous, one of the steps is admitting that one is powerless over alcohol. And that's one of the hardest things to do, to get to a place where you can say, I'm powerless over this. Perhaps if it were me, uh, alcohol isn't my issue, I might say, hi, I'm Kendi, and I have 50 pairs of shoes. Or, uh, perhaps that would be Shoe Shoppers Anonymous. Or more personally, hi, I'm Kendi, and I do work email from home for several hours each day. 
I need help admitting that I cannot get everything done I would like to get done. And there are probably some of you out there who are thinking, well, you didn't answer my email in a timely fashion. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm needy. I admit it. There you have it. We are called to admit that we need help. Maybe you seem feel overwhelmed at work. Maybe it's hard for you to let others assist you. Maybe you're behind in school and you don't want to talk to your teacher. Maybe you lied about something and now you're living in a lie. Maybe you can't quite hear, but it's hard for you to admit you need a hearing aid. Maybe you eat or drink or smoke or get high or indulge yourself in secret. And maybe you have a heartache that's too deep to open up. Bring your feet out here. And actually, there's going to be a time later uh, after worship, right in the prayer room, to literally bring your feet out and receive a, a foot washing. God knows that we all have dirty feet, and there's nothing wrong with that. Get your feet ready to receive God's help. So we see that God wants to offer this help. He wants to offer this love that cleanses, and it's only our job to make our feet available. And God will do the rest. As we were preparing this week, I had several people praying with me and for me. And I had the opportunity to go on a retreat with the East Side uh, Academy, the Christian Alternative School that was housed here at First Press. And now it's down the street at the Lutheran Church. They had a retreat and there were 30 of these high school students. And at the end of the day, after a lot of laughing and playing, we had a time of worship, and I got to bring a message. And during that time, we had a foot washing. And you could see these 30 high school students had never had an experience like this, maybe except one. And they were a little uncomfortable washing each other's feet. So, in fact, the people who washed the feet were the teachers. So there were these teachers down on their knees washing the feet of their students. And as we watched this unfold, there was definitely a a decision whether or not to participate. Should I take off my shoes? Should I dip my feet in the water? One kid decided that this was just what he needed. And so he started with his own advisory teacher and had his feet washed. And I guess he thought that felt pretty good and decided he'd go to the next teacher and have his feet washed again. So during the debrief, as we talked about our experience, we found out that this guy had his feet washed three times. He was aware of his neediness. Bring it on, he said. Yes, I'll take it. May we do likewise. Let's not be ashamed of our neediness. An application of this passage this week is to say yes whenever someone offers help. In this case, the one offering help is the God of the universe. The God of the universe does not count equality with God something to be grasped, but empties himself, taking the form of a servant. There's Jesus on his knees in front of his disciples. Not the angry teacher saying, you're failing the test but the one saying, you don't seem to get it. Let me help you. God kneels down in front of them. This is a paradox. Uh, The first Soviet cosmonaut uh, went off into space and he returned back to earth and he's reported to have said, I saw no God up there. That's kind of where we expect to see God, way up there, somewhere in space at a great distance. 
But we don't find God by looking up. We find God right here on his knees before us. The God of the universe was born as a human being. There's nuances of the whole manger scene here. What, were you born in a barn? Yes. As a matter of fact, he was. Rode into Jerusalem, not on a thoroughbred, on a donkey. Spent the last free night on earth, not being served at Canlis or even Red Robin, but waiting on others, serving others on his knees like a servant. That's the image of the Savior of the world. The scripture says, Jesus, knowing that he had come from God, knowing that he had this divine identity and would return to God, he had a divine destiny. He offers the full extent of his love, his divine purpose. Love initiates. God initiates. He makes the first move. There's something in our nature that resists this kneeling God. It was actually the first heresy, the notion that Jesus just appeared to be human. He couldn't really have actually become flesh. God became flesh. Martin Luther encapsulates it this way, I know no other God than the one that gestated in the womb of Mary. God in concrete form, flesh and blood serving people and inviting people repeatedly and even Peter saying no, no and Jesus saying, dude, you really need my help. I'm going to offer again. And then Jesus gets to the end of this little parable and says, do you know, do you understand what I have done for you? And it's like he wants to tell them, it's clear that you don't understand. Well, let me tell you what I've done for you. I've set you an example. And not only have I set you an example, but I'm going to send you my spirit because this is the promise. Blessed are you if you do these things. Not just think good thoughts about God, not just say yes, but actually show up and do what God has done. Blessed are you if what you believe shows in your hands. Wasn't Auto Angels a great example? This past few weeks, um, I've been led by Sherry Skidmore, one of our elders, the chair of planning and evaluation, to uh, respond to Scott Dudley's call to be stretched. You remember that one a couple weeks ago? Let's be stretched, Sherry said, by experiencing a foot washing together. And Scott and I were even in the same room when Sherry began to lead the planning and evaluation committee into this foot washing. It takes an actual person to take that step and offer the hands. Maybe for you, today's the day when you want to say yes in a new way. When you want to say, yes, I want that relationship with God. I want the power of God in my life. Maybe it's power to do something noble. Maybe it's power to restore the relationship between husband and wife or parent and child. Maybe it's just the strength to live out your faith in a daily way. To take that low place. To to resist temptation. To resist a negative conversation in the office or at school to offer to help someone or be willing to help when you're asked, to empty the dishwasher at home when it's not your job. Jesus says, greater things will you do in my name than I have done. What could be greater than the God of the universe kneeling down and serving people? That's the life we're invited into. 
It's a political season, and I don't want to in, uh, do something to misstep or endorse any political candidate, but there's a, a prisoner of war who tells a great story that, in which Jesus comes out the victor, and I'd like to share it with you. This candidate was a prisoner in North Vietnam in what was called the Hanoi Hilton. It was a terrible camp, and many were tortured there. They were tortured in one particular way where they, were, they put their hands down between their knees with a stick and tied with rope. And this prisoner was tied up and bl- uh, blindfolded and left that way in order that the next day he might be willing to share a little bit more. And he was uh, suffering in that way for about an hour when someone came in and loosened the ropes. And he got through the night and it got near dawn and someone came in and tightened those ropes back up again. It was an act of mercy. And days went by, and he didn't know who that was or really why that happened. But later that year, on Christmas Day, when the prisoners were out in the yard, a guard silently came up and with his foot made the sign of a cross in the sand. And that prisoner knew that that guard was living out his Christian faith. Friends, what opportunities is God giving you to serve others, to say yes to his calling, to reduce the pain of another, to to loosen the tension, the bonds that tie people. Friends, what if we fanned out from this sanctuary today and we were light and salt and bringing freedom and love? What if we were that God with skin on, that people could see and know that our God reigns, that our God serves, that our God serves through us.